can a believer, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? I think that the primary textbook for possession and guidance in evil spirits is the scripture. I don't believe it's our experience. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it's the culture. I don't believe it's neo-charismatic movement, new apostolic movement. Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I am Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have uncut, honest conversations about faith, life, and ministry, and other things occasionally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Yes. Welcome back. I don't I don't know actually how long it is since we posted last. Um, yeah. But it, ha- it seems like it's been months. Yeah. I think it's probably been almost a a month. a month. Yeah. Or pro- maybe just like one week over a month. Right. So we posted like the week before yep. Christmas mm-hmm. and we haven't, our intention was not to be gone this long. Um, I don't know that we had an intention. No. But. <laughs> maybe that's community. Right. Um, but definitely the new year was, we were just kind of reflecting that the new year has been kind of like trying to get everything back on normal rhythm has been a bit of a. Well, then I got sick. Yeah, you got sick. Like twice. <laughs> and so has been a little bit strange. And all, yeah, all of all of ministry seems to have been a little herky-jerky yes. so far this year. But mm-hmm. it's the, the, the day is young as it goes. Yeah. So we've got we've got time. But anyway, we were we're eager to get back. Yeah. Um get back at the podcast and to essentially get our second year. We'll call it our second season. Yep. Don't call it a comeback. Uh, <laughs> our second season of podcasting out there. We we do have some topics still in queue uh, mm-hmm. to talk about, but as always, we're happy to take any recommendations or anything like that from yeah. you all. We may do some. Uh, we may do some podcast episodes that maybe a little bit parallel some of our preaching, mm-hmm. some of our preaching topics. Yep. Um, and that maybe will be helpful for us, but also be helpful for those of you who listen, who may go to conduit or who follow us online. Um, and we can maybe touch on some things here that we didn't touch on on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night when we're teaching or whatever the case may be. But how about this? Um, we can get in the topic. We we do have a topic we're going to talk about kind of a theological topic, but and um, we we decided to skip the what are your what were your New Year's resolutions? What your are your goals? Yeah, or your vision or anything like that for the new year. And instead, um, maybe ask the question: Is there something in ministry, or not in min- even in ministry, but in like your personal life or anything like that, that excites you about 2024 Mm. more books to read you have more to read did you read all the ones you bought in 2023 No, but those are that's like you know um we don't buy books to read them we don't buy books to read them we (laughs) buy them to have them so that we can put them behind us when we are in zoom calls (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) no i um i don't know like i'm i'm always interested about new learning like that's something i always get interested in and so you know a new year for me probably the thing i get most excited about is like um you know kind of some fresh energy to tackle oh i want to finish that book or i want to start that book or um you know uh, john mark comer just released or is releasing. I don't know if it's out yet or not. It is. It is. Practicing the way. Yeah. I will yep. probably get that yep. here soon. Um, because I'm very interested in what he has to say in that book. Mm-hmm. Um so um really those learning opportunities are are really really kind of excite me. Um mm-hmm. yeah. So that's that's one of the things that I'm excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So new learning. Well, are you read? Are you reading any books right now? Yeah, I've been slowly been learning more about um, 
uh, I've been reading a book called uh, The Dark Knight of the Soul, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, Dark Knight of the Soul by mm, the last name of the author is May. He's a psychologist um, who takes the writings of St. John of the Cross. Oh, man, and I'm a terrible person for having forgetten, forgotten who else the other writer the nun who is probably more responsible for the thought work than saint john of the cross but uh so forgive me i think it's i don't know i don't remember her name so i won't butcher it by pretending i know her name but anyways there are some of their spiritual writings and particularly about the phenomenon that's called the dark night of the soul and he is reflection on it, kind of bringing their very old writings, which are from like the 1500s, and making them contemporarily accessible to us modern day, and then offering his own thoughts and reflections as a practicing clinical psychologist mm-hmm. and counselor. Mm-hmm. So I've been slowly working my way through that book as kind of more a reflective book and less, um, and less as a, uh, like a got to get through it kind of book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've been reading some other books just about like learning about small businesses and what makes small businesses work and, um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Good. So what Tons about you? Good ones. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm reading a few different books right now. All of them are, are really good. Um, uh, the one, a few, so a few of them that I'm reading, I'm reading um, Is God Anti-Gay by Sam Alberry, mm. who is a man that has same-sex, that's how he self-defines as yeah. a man that, that he has same-sex attraction and is a Christian. Um, and it, uh, it's been really interesting. It's a really small little book and really easily accessible in terms of like its language. And mm-hmm. so I'd recommend it. Um, I don't, I'm not going to comment on what I, what I, I agree with and what I don't agree with right now in it because I'm not finished with it. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, he talks a lot about how the, um, the modern tendency to create identity based off sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that has made it almost impossible for people to separate uh, their attraction from their identity. Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good thought process. I'm reading um, Elders in the Life of the Church mm-hmm. by Alexander Strauch. That's very good. Um, pretty comprehensive book. Just talking about the um the kind of the theological foundation of the role or the office calling of elder in the mm-hmm. church um uh you know as we've been talking here about you know whether or not an elder structure would be a, is is good for us here at conduit mm-hmm. um i am reading kind of at a more from like a more personal semi-professional but really more personal interest those lines are blurry they are well they are for me sometimes really yeah um but this is a book called transforming trauma through jujitsu book that i asked for for christmas and got which is a um kind of a case study in the use of brazilian jujitsu for the treatment of um significant trauma in people's lives so while you're preparing to give someone head trauma you're healing your own emotional trauma or theirs (laughs) or theirs yeah But yeah. no, I, I say that jokingly, yeah. but I know that that's like a, yeah. that's, it's a really cool, you've told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty interested in that. And then I ordered a book just this past week. That's a pre-order that I'm really Ooh, pre-ordering books. Yeah. All, I mean, it doesn't even come until May. I already wow. ordered it. It's by John Tyson and mm. Jefferson Bethke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John is a pastor um, whose ministry and work I really, really respect. He pastors Church of the City in New York, mm-hmm. um, and he they wrote. He and Jefferson wrote a book called "Fighting." Yeah, fighting shadows. Ooh, it's a book written. Um, it's a book written. For those who are in men's ministry, mm. yeah, spent like five or six years 
researching some of the like issues that men fight mm-hmm. and they're both pastors, you know? And so, um, and then wrote a book about it. So, cause one of the things that I'm really excited about in 2024 is, uh, men's ministry mm-hmm. here at conduit. Yeah. And been thinking a lot about that and praying in it, praying through it. And, um, I think it's stuff like that. That's really going to be in books like that. That will be really, um, helpful to get some orientation around. Yeah. You know, that, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I ordered that. I wish it was coming out I sooner. Even, yes. I sent him a Facebook, but all right. Uh, Instagram message knowing he probably is not going to see it or respond or probably can't and be like, is there any way I can get like an advanced copy or something like that? Like <laughs> I'll, I will buy the PDF from you. <laughs> you tell me, tell me what I can, what I can do to get an advanced copy. Cause I want to start digesting some of it right now. But, um, I guess for right now, we'll just, um, kind of do our own thing here mm-hmm. from a ministry perspective with men. And, and that will be, maybe that'll be just the right timing. Yeah. For that. I am really excited about that too. We just had our first men's breakfast last Saturday. Last Saturday, two Saturdays ago. Which, yeah, wow, feels like the thirteenth, whatever that was. Yeah, last Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so feeling really that was a really good time. I'm encouraged, and I mm-hmm. think that's going to go in a fantastic direction. So. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're a man, and you are in the Jamestown, New York area, or you're not, and you want to show up for men's breakfast, we meet every other Saturday morning at 8 a.m. here mm-hmm. at the church. Um, so our next one will be on the 27th. Yep. Uh, January 27th. And so pop in, uh, and we'd love to love to have you, love to have you join us. Yeah. So, oh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. So yeah, those are, that's one of the things that I'm really excited about in 2024. Yeah. Um one of the one of the reasons that I'm reading the book by Alberry right now is God anti-gay mm-hmm. is cuz I'm rereading some material that I have on my shelf already and picking up some newer material as well and then rereading through specifically through the specifically th- rereading through the New Testament with the eye or searching for looking for um how like this kind of dynamic between how Jesus um, interacted with different people whom he either did or didn't necessarily agree with their yeah. lifestyle mm-hmm. or their practice of faith. Yeah. So like what was the way that Jesus interacted with those who were not expressing faith in him? Yep. And their sin was just like before everyone him yeah Yeah. and then the same with how did he interact with those who were expressing faith yeah but were doing so in such a way as to create hypocrisy yeah and man i just i don't know that's an interesting i feel like he had meals with everybody he did yep there's multiple stories where he's sitting down with pharisees Mm-hmm. there's multiple stories where there's maybe less stories about specific incidences where he's eating with sinners, but it's mentioned many times that mm-hmm. he eats with sinners. Yeah. Um, but he does like Zacchaeus and people who were not necessarily religious. Yeah. 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 But even in times of like where he ate with Pharisees, um, there's either like, like there's comment like, there's like even just like kind of intertextual commentary about the posture of the people that he was eating with. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really so much their title, although we associate Pharisees and Sadducees with you know a negative connotation in right. terms of Jesus' ministry. But it was more about their posture towards him. Yeah, you right. Know? If we were to call someone a Pharisee today, it's typically considered an insult. Yeah. But it wasn't at the time that was more of a title. And so right. getting past kind of like whether or not they were a Pharisee or not, but their relationship to Jesus. Right. Yeah. Or how they just like how they the manner in which they came. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm thinking in particular, I'm thinking of John chapter three. Yeah. Um, where Nicodemus 
who is a Pharisee, mm-hmm. comes to Jesus at night. And it, 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 at least the way that I read it and the way that I hear mm-hmm. it is there's humility there. Yeah. I think there's fear. Mm-hmm. There too, he comes to him at night. Yep. You know, yeah. How, there's the always that question of, of how much emphasis do we put onto the detail of night? Yeah. You know, the fact that it's included and not just left out does make it seem to be somewhat important. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't have been included. But I think that my, my take on that is that Nicodemus was probably feeling the pressure from the rest of the Pharisees to align himself with their mob think mm-hmm. against Jesus. Yeah. And so couldn't ask the questions in the open air yep. without fear of reprisal. Mm-hmm. And so he went to Jesus at night because probably sensed in his spirit that there was something to who he was, right? And so Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus, while still like a little bit, I don't want to say harsh, but it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Like, what do you mean I need to be born again? You know, and he and and he's like, You're the teacher of the Jews. You don't know these things. Yep. Um uh I I still think that his Jesus interaction with Nicodemus is a lot different because Nicodemus comes to him in humility mm-hmm. than it is those who come, the Pharisees that come to Jesus and the text already clarifies kind of like in the background of the text they they asked this to trap him yeah or jesus knew that they Mm -hmm. were trying to set a trap for him yeah so um and then part of the like reading and i'm I'm reading all these things in order because i feel like I, i need both need to and want to do some writing on it both for you know personal and professional reasons but um, is like how, what is the, what what is the most biblically informed way that Christians um, are, are, can, should be in relationship with those who, one, are, professing faith in Jesus Christ, but there is no fruit of repentance Mm -hmm. or sin is like being flaunted. And second, how does our relationship with the person change when there has never been any like profession of faith in Jesus Christ? Yeah. You know, like do, is it, is it a wise evangelistic strategy to bludgeon them with the Bible when they have not received conviction of the Holy Spirit's presence in their life to begin with. Right. You know? And what does the, what does the like depth of relationship between me as the Christian person and the other person, whether they're Christian or not, mm-hmm. what is the depth of that relationship? <clears throat> um, like, how does that affect what I should, shouldn't, can, or can't speak into their life. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that was a long answer to say, you know, what am I reading and what am I excited <laughs> for in the new year? I am excited to maybe to hopefully write some more. Yeah. Although I don't really have very, um, specific goals in writing. So, mm-hmm. I will probably need to do that if I actually am going to sit down and put pen to the proverbial paper. But yeah, I have a lot to think. I I have a lot on the brain that needs to hit the paper. Yeah. Whether or not it actually does is. That time. Circumstantial. Yeah. I don't know. Can we get it to to happen? So. Right. So. Well, do we want to dive into the topic we kind of floated before we started so um cameron you mentioned that you'd maybe seen a couple the same reel or a couple different reels a couple different different ones i found yeah a couple different things i even saw i saw one uh that was just 
a little strange. Um, <laughs> but you know, these different, cause we're on social media. And so it's one way of seeing what people were kind of talking about in larger, ch- larger church, but you saw a couple of, you know, videos talking about this question of can a believer, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I just hit a weird stream of the algorithms or what, but seems like over the last few days, I've seen a few of these where it was either a pastor or, you know, someone in a fake podcast studio talking like they're looking at someone, but you know, they're not um, talking about, you know, what happens when a believer is possessed by a demon. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll say, first off, I'm not an expert in demon possession. Sure. Although I'm also going to say that I think maybe I am. Um, And I'm also going to say like, I, I do believe that demon demons exist. Yep. I do believe that people are possessed by demons. I have mm-hmm. seen it and experienced mm-hmm. it in, in ministry before. Um, not a lot, but enough to say, like, it's a thing. It's a thing, and I mm-hmm. believe it. Um, and the reason I say, you know, maybe I am a expert is not necessarily because I, um, you know, had a previous life as an exorcist in the Catholic Church or anything like that, but because I, you know, I think that the, I think that the primary textbook for um possession and like guidance in evil spirits is the scripture. Yeah. I don't believe it's our experience. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's the culture. I don't believe it's any um type of like um neo charismatic yeah movement, new apostolic movement type of like special revelation right on we demon possession yeah no like there's not a you know i'm pretty wary of if you were to find like a book and you're like this is the book that knows everything about like demon possession exorcism and demonic spiritual warfare and stuff like that and you're holding a book other than the bible i'm gonna take that with whole lots of salt yeah uh, so much salt that it'd be unhealthy um yeah, <laughs> yeah. a whole plow truck full of salt on yeah. that one yeah yeah um and like we were even just laughing um because we saw i shared a, a video with you that was like i don't know the i don't know the preacher don't know the context it was a clip obviously but it someone preaching saying something along the lines of and i asked the demon and the demon and he was using what the demon's response as kind of his own affirmation yeah as his own affirmation of the exegesis of the scripture he was giving and that that'd be wonky in my book yeah red flag um (laughs) red flag like i don't you know i like i don't you know i i wouldn't I, that doesn't add any credence that the demon agreed with what was literally just in the Bible verse. Mm-hmm. I would rather you just read the Bible verse and not mention your potential conversation with a demon. Um, yeah, I mean, even Jesus really only asked a demon questions twice. Yes. And there were two types of questions. It was, what is your name? Uh-huh. And the other question, not even really Jesus asked, but we are, that we... Like that there's allusions to being able to ask in scripture is, you know, to essentially inquire with the evil spirit if they confess the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. Right. Or not. Yes. Right. Those are kind of like two questions. What, what is your name? Do you confess Jesus as Lord? Yeah. I would not, would not ask them for their interpretation of. Yeah. Are my sermon notes correct? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, so, you know. When you start getting into things like that, people having, I would not have a conversation. If I had the opportunity to have a conversation with a mm-hmm. demon, I would say, no, thank you. Because mm-hmm. I don't really think I want to open the 
the the can of worms of dealing with somebody or something that is primarily meant to lie and be deceptive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the word of God says that um that lying is the native tongue of our enemy. Mm-hmm. He yeah. only he can only speak in lies yeah. and deception. Yeah. So yeah. and that, granted to say, like I agreed generally with the point the preacher was making um i just thought that he was him referencing a demon as having agreed with what he's saying is really weird and odd and very odd but anyway suffice it to say there's this there has been this idea and yes several of these things that you know okay i am a believer of jesus christ and we're assuming here that my conversion from death to life (laughs) is legit is legitimate mm-hmm. that i have i i repented of my sin i have confessed him before the lord i had i have received and asked for his forgiveness i have received the righteousness of jesus christ um via my faith in him um i have been sealed yep with the holy spirit mm-hmm. and the spirit of the holy spirit in me is the deposit guaranteeing my inheritance until the final redemption yeah. Right. Um, my that's the assumption when I say I'm a Christian. Right. Yeah. Is that like all those things are true? But there is also a demon inside of me. I am possessed. Yeah. By a demon, meaning that there is I am enslaved to the presence of evil outside of my outside of my control. Yeah. Outside of my control. Well, because that's that's what we. I guess I'm thinking like that is a little bit of the hallmark of like, at least even from like the biblical examples, right? We think about like the um, slave that was tossing themselves into the fire yep, um, and things like that. The where Gar- The Gerasonian demoniac was chained outside yeah, of the city. Right? Is demonic possession seems to have um, – one of the things, I think there's a couple different other things too, but there seems to be some sort of lack of control to some extent of mm-hmm. oneself. So some some element of not having full autonomy of one's behavior at all times mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. to some degree. Right. Seems to be a thing. And so when you're saying, if you're saying that you're demonically possessed – you're, you know, like there's something involuntary even maybe happening or mm-hmm. that there's, or we say, you know, like it's kind of like there's a spatial terms is helpful, both helpful and unhelpful, mm-hmm. right? Because we would say, look, there's a demon in them. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know if that's actually metaphysically correct, but it's the it's the best way we know to how to like functionally conceptualize it up of, mm-hmm. of they're not just being a demon near them or affecting their in their situation or or whispering to them or doing something you know to them it, the demon is somehow inside of them in all the connotations that that requires yeah. which is why we have like let's just say that like um, as the metaphysical example yeah like the demon actually possesses the inside of your being yeah right well, as a person who has faith in Jesus Christ and has been filled with and sealed by the Holy Spirit, all right, that we're you're making then the affirmation that the the Holy Spirit is in me, right? Which we believe, right? Because it's in the Scripture. Right? I believe that. Yes, I believe that the Holy Spirit is in me. So then the question then becomes: Can I simultaneously be filled? To the fullness of the measure of God with the Holy Spirit, and also be filled with um, a demon. And my answer to that is no, you cannot. Yeah, you 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 cannot. Right that in the in the presence of ineffable light of holiness, there can be no darkness. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I am filled with the Holy Spirit, there is no metaphysical spiritual actual room for the presence of yeah darkness the presence right. of evil the presence of a demon right so that would be kind of like the most classic my most classic answer to that right is that no that you know 
you're not possessed by a demon. But I do think that there is then there there becomes the question is all right. Well, I have two questions that I want to throw out here. Okay. Do demons possess other things? Okay. Non-living. Non-living. This right. house plant. Right. Whatever. Right. The house. Um, yeah. Right. Um. Yeah, the house. You know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right. Um. My car won't start on cold days. I must have a demon. Um. I'm not saying that mockingly. I'm just. I'm. I'm just also saying that. Like there. I. I. I just. There tends to be this. People tend to run in two extremes. Yes. Either either they don't give the demon they don't give demonic activity any thought whatsoever, mm-hmm. which I think is wrong. Yeah. You know, or there's a demon behind every corner and every bush and every doorway, and right. like, um, you know, we're just constantly running the gauntlet of demons and everything that we do. And I drop my toothbrush on the bathroom floor. Oh, a demon made me do it, and like, it's a demon of toothbrush dropping, and <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like. It's it's laughable, but it's not at the same time because there's literally people out there who be like, oh, it's the demon of anxiety. It's the demon of depression. It's the demon yeah, of yeah. toothbrush dropping. It's the demon of sickness. It's the demon of like, you know, like. Guys, really, this is just Cameron's pitch for a horror not, movie. <laughs> can we not? Like, uh, so one, can, can demons be in non like living spaces kind of like, okay however that, however that sure. question second question second question what is the difference between demonic possession and demonic oppression yeah. you knew that one was coming yeah so that's a big yeah so how do you what, what do you what are your thoughts i think you can probably tell by the snarkiness of the way in which i went about the demon of toothbrush dropping what i think about all of that, but yeah. I'm interested to have at least have the conversation. Yeah, well, let's talk about that one first. Um, yes, I agree that also, like, um, like there is this tendency to, um, to call everything kind of a, a demon, and there is this like, I, I want, I want to be. Mm, I want to be careful and I want to be gentle here, but I also want to be really realistic with uh, with with people. When we read the Bible, um, the Bible covers a significant swath mm-hmm. of God's interaction with humanity, mm-hmm. and it covers, you know, both big and small things, but they're all part of the story, right? They're all part of like the major story of God, and so I think there is a tendency when we're reading about the story of Moses or of David or of anyone who made it into the Bible. And then we look at our life to make some sort of one-to-one equation and say, well, my life surely will be as least as dramatic as Paul's life was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see the level of dramatic, supernatural, spiritual, miraculous things that happen in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we make the assumption that that must be the frequency and degree to which it happens in all people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that is necessarily a wise conclusion to draw. Um, And so by that, I mean you're not that important and I'm not that important. Um, and like, not to say that God is not the God of like unimportant people and things. I think that's a a really big truth. Um, but just simply to say that like, I'm not Moses, I'm not King David, I'm not Paul. And for me to expect to experience the dramatic divine and spiritual like events that I see portrayed in the Bible um, in condensed story format to see them be happening on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis in my life is I think a little bit of a, maybe, maybe an unfair stretch 
to put an expectation on ourselves. So, but again, like what I just said there could be taken to that other extreme of saying, well, nothing, there's no, you know, not giving the spiritual realm it's due. Cause we do have things about like where Paul says our, um, we wage not against physical enemies, but against uh, princes and principalities and mm-hmm. the king of the air. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, like that's his exhortation to the church and to us and to us now. So I don't want to say that that's not a thing, but I do think that um, sometimes we're just confronting ordinary evil, if there's such a theological category for that, or human evil and brokenness and not necessarily demonic evil and brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That'd be kind of how I, mm-hmm. it, because, you know, like, I don't know, I, that just tends to be my kind of thing, like a little bit of Occam's razor to, you know, just like, what is the simplest conclusion I can make here? Mm-hmm. Well, the simplest conclusion I could make is that I dropped my toothbrush because I'm clumsy sometimes mm-hmm. or that, you know. But that's just the enemy trying to make you believe that he's not really real and there. He, he's, he's there. I just don't even really want to give him that much credit. Um, right. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, you know, I, you know, I, I do think that is unhealthy. I will like, cause you did mention like, you know, there's a spirit of depression, spirit of anxiety, spirit of whatever mental health thing, a spirit of addiction. I'm very, very, very uncomfortable with leveraging and using those types of terms. Yeah. And why are we uncomfortable with that? Because um, a lot of times um, it's not a spirit. And sometimes what happens is is by... By e- by making a diagnosis to say that like you've got a spirit of mental unhealth in this degree, that means you should pray about it or you should go you know whatever spiritual answer we should give, and then you should not seek any other form of help intervention or health, and what that does is it leaves often will leave people into a place of like of bad bad things happening mm-hmm. and things really kind of like being co- coming undone um you know um i know of an individual who felt like you know that was like a thing anyways i it's just not helpful not helpful mm-hmm. generally and i would say even even as the ground upon which that is built is the reality that when we see Jesus casting out and addressing demons in scripture, he's not like addressing them according to the infirmity that they bring upon a person. Right. You know, so he's not, he's not categorizing demons of addiction, demons of anxiety, right? demons of depression. Did did we see any, I'm trying to think, were there any specific exorcisms in scripture that are tied to an infirmity there's like kind of the 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 oh shoot you just said it the demoniac that was the like, no he is he's not necessarily debilitated no he was chained up because the the i'm sure he was i'm sure it made him appear to be mentally ill sure because he would cut himself yeah right and was chained no one could control him is what the scripture says so they had him chained up outside but it wasn't like jesus went up to him and like you their spirit of insanity right come out from him Mm -hmm. you know um any more than we see like jesus making comment about like oh there's um this individual demon and then there's this demon that's over this city and then there's this bigger demon that's over this region as if there's like a defined chain of command right in scripture um that we can like oh we need to pray against the demon of this city right like yeah i don't i just i i think that we we so yearn for like 
in some cases we so yearn for um like I don't know. I, I put it in the category of being like a spiritual busybody. Like don't you don't just what is the point of making stuff up? Like what's the point of creating like huge systematic scaffolding of um spiritual life when it's just not there? Can't we just say it's really clear in scripture, both in Jesus' words, mm-hmm. in Paul's words, in um John's words in in uh the revelation that that there is a extraordinary spiritual battle that is being waged around us even now yeah we see Jesus confront it face to face in the gospels and he encourages his disciples to do the same mhm right we see Paul um face it a little bit in the book of acts mhm Right, we see the presence of evil um, in various symbolic forms in Revelation. Yeah, but we're not given complex explanations. No, of of you need to say this to a demon, and then this to a demon, and then this to a demon, and there's a demon of this, and there's a demon of that, yeah. and there's a demon over these regions, and there's a demon over this region. And I just kind of scratch my head with like a why do we do this? Yeah. Why why is this why are we obsessed with this? I think it like I don't know. I think there's a little bit of a power thing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like we're, you know, we're command like we're given all authority in heaven and on earth, you know. And so like mm-hmm. um there's also a little bit of simplicity to it, mm-hmm. right? Um, because and by by all means, don't mishear me to say that there is no spiritual component to mental illness, um, or that there you know couldn't potentially be something going on there. But in my experience, mental Ill- my own experience it, with mental illness, there are parts of it that maybe we'll get to in this episode, and I'll talk about maybe um, that I think definitely had some demonic influence and some places where it was kind of touching it but then also a significant portion of my mental health journey has not had much to do with demons and has had more to do with my own brokenness and my own just like sin the way in which sin has uniquely touched my life my heart my soul and my mind Mm -hmm. and working with god to try and uh restore that Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to do like demon didn't do that to me. Mm-hmm. The world did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. It doesn't have to be that. But I do think that it it's overly. It's really comforting to think that well, I just need to pray hard enough, and I could make this problem go away. Yeah, and it wouldn't require me doing really difficult work for years mm-hmm. to see health in my heart, mind, and spirit. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk then about demonic oppression yeah um which is i think for me it feels like a broad term but that's yeah. okay I'm, I'm comfortable with the term yeah it's fine yeah um and talk a little bit about how we might anticipate seeing that kind of manifested in life the yeah. world and in the life of a believer yeah I think that's a, you know, again, the broadness of it, that's partly the helpfulness of of it is that it's so broad because it can be used to describe things that seem to not be easily explained otherwise or seem to lend themselves to being like the, the enemy in some, some form, um, but are not possession. So it's not the controlling, the being on the inside of an individual. Yeah, I I think. But it's an acting towards the person or in the environment or something. Yeah, or or like even just flat. I mean, I I I think like very simply is that um, there are times in life where I have certainly experienced walking into a place, Mm -hmm. being in a room. 
being around a person or another person or just being by myself and getting a very distinct awareness of the presence of evil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like darkness. Yes. Um, And not a kind of benign type of evil, but like the evil that I would describe as being demonic. Right. Like there is the oppressive presence of darkness Mm -hmm. that seeks to stir up fear Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yep. Stir up confusion or chaos Mm -hmm. um, to make what the Lord wants to be clear, very confusing. Yeah. Um, to, um, to stir up fear that leads people to do things that they normally wouldn't, wouldn't do yeah. or don't want to do Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, and, um, uh, so like there is for sure a, this reality of the when when i say demonic oppression what i mean is like the the presence of the demonic mm-hmm. um in life yes around people in places mm-hmm. i still don't know exactly what i think or believe about like demons being attached to places you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't, it's not clear in scripture for me. No, not necessarily. But there are also, I've also had experiences where it's like every time I walk into a place, I'm like, yeah. Places like, definitely like, like, okay, Lord, I hear you. Yeah. And I like, I sense it. Yes. Um. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just that places carry like, Man, this sounds so woo-woo. Um, and it's not biblical, so if don't necessarily take this as like... But the way it feels like is sometimes you can walk into a place and it is a little bit like, you know, after like a loud gunshot or something in close proximity that's really loud and there's that just that ringing. Mm-hmm. It's like walking into a place and like hearing the ringing or the echo mm-hmm. of... Of what was there. Yep. And it's not always clear to me when I've experienced that if that is a like something is still here mm-hmm. or if just something was here yep. or something happened here at mm-hmm. some point. And so, and I've had that experience sometimes knowing, sometimes very much not knowing, mm-hmm. but knowing that this ain't not, not vibing. With yeah. this, um, mm-hmm. and so, it, and so, what 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 I think is that I think that there, when when we have Christians who are talking about what the what they're perceiving as the like the strong, like demonic work in their life, mm-hmm. I think they're talking about the the like demonic oppression, yeah. You know, like the the presence of evil around them, mm-hmm. stirring up fear and confusion, and yes. um, trying to conceal truth. Yep. And when when we're fearful, and when we're confused, and when the the truth is cloudy, we do end up doing things and making decisions that are out of character for the life of Christ. Right. And so we may think that, like, oh, I didn't have a choice mm-hmm. i must be possessed and i just i don't believe that yeah um cuz i think that in a, in moments of demonic oppression there are ways to bring clarity yeah there are ways to dispel fear yeah and that there are there are ways to have the truth of god elevated to the point where darkness flees at the presence mm-hmm. of light yeah Right. So, um, uh, so that's kind of where I stand. Like I said, I've, I've not, I, I'm not sure where I stand on like the demonic presence in physical spaces. Although mm-hmm. I, based on my experience, 
I would lean towards a, yeah, I think that happens, mm-hmm. but I, I can't say I, I, I would not hold very tightly onto that because it's not clear in scripture. Yeah. I have had experience with individuals, people who are demonically not just oppressed, that happens a lot, mm-hmm. but possessed, mm-hmm. like voice changing, um, body going into like spastic convulsions, even like call it woo-woo or call it not, the smell of their breath changing, mm-hmm. like being very, very vividly controlled by something other than yep. themselves, mm-hmm. but also still having a little bit of agency Yeah, at the same time. Yeah. Well, because uh, there's New Testament, was it Paul? They were mad at him because they cast out a demon from someone who was telling the future mm-hmm. or a fortune teller. Yep. Right? You know, so not... Not seemingly possessed like the um, the demoniac, uh, but seems seeming to be able to function in some capacity um, with some level of volition. Mm-hmm. Um, right, that gets yeah. really fuzzy. Yeah, and what what I what I experienced um, in the the one most significant, and this is when I was at Conduit North. Mm-hmm. Um, what because I don't want to tell this to people because I think it's important for them to hear it if they haven't experienced it. There can be a lot of fear, yeah, that can come with like the oh my gosh, I hope I never see or encounter someone who is possessed, I will be so scared. And I will tell you, there's a part of me that thought that mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah, um, like oh, I'm sure that that was really scary or really frightening, and yep. I want to say that, like. There's a lot of things that I remember about that day and I remember about that experience. Um, one thing that I remember very, very, very distinctly is just a tremendous sense of peace. Mm-hmm. A tremendous sense of like, I am not afraid at all. Mm-hmm. Like I am not, there is nothing in me that is afraid in this moment. Um. Um, because even demons know the name of Jesus yep. and the power yep. that it holds, mm-hmm. right? And they they cannot they they cannot stir up fear when there is no place to like. There's no foundation to put your foot. Right, of fear. Like there is no fear because in this moment, it's not I who am showing up. It is the spirit of the living Mm -hmm. God, Jesus Christ, in me, who is speaking here to this demon, not me. All right. There's nothing power. Demons are not afraid of us. No. They're not afraid of me. Right. Right. They're they're afraid of Christ in me, the hope Mm -hmm. of glory. Um and and so there it was like it was there was no fear there was no uh, i still see the man fairly regularly here in jamestown and don't know if he's gotten freedom or not we we um when i say that there's still some agency even in the midst of their possession mm-hmm it was he did not want to be free from the possession of the demon at that point yeah he 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 stopped us from praying did not want us to pray any longer mm-hmm. over him um which uh is a i mean that's a whole another reality we could go into but mm-hmm. um yeah so i just i think that it's important that we have a conversation like this because I don't I think more than just sharing our opinion on um, spiritual warfare or the demonic or anything like that, I think is the encouragement to let the Bible say what the Bible says Mm -hmm. without feeling the pressure to create 
a really complex system on top of it yeah so that it reads more like a hollywood movie yeah than it does just what the word yep says and kind of let like let the fact that we don't know be okay a little bit right you know i maybe this will maybe this will upset people maybe it won't um but i think about like as you were kind of talking and i was kind of thinking about how this plays out in you know routine church and spiritual life of people i want to say that um you know, it, it's kind of, you know, maybe from a conservative Christian standpoint, if you're like very conservative, right? Um, you might be a little bit, it might feel really easy to be kind of uh, self righteous or critical of people who don't manage their triggers very well, right? So they're like, oh, I'm triggered. You can't, you know, can't bring that up, topic up, or that's a really upsetting topic or a thing that you said or situation I found myself in. And then they completely just, you know, because they were triggered, they give a justification for whatever behavior comes after because they were triggered, right? And it's really easy just because I know our audience, you know, like if you're in a really conservative mindset to be really critical of, like of people who are like, you know, oh, that's just so silly. That's so like, you know, snowflake-ish of like maybe the younger generation or of whatever, you know, other person that you think is on the other side of you to kind of be critical of that. Um, That is sometimes how demonic activity and oppression is used, I think, is like a, well, that like that was demonic oppression or that was da da da. And, and so that's why that happened. Or that's why I just, you know, can't seem to get my life together is because Satan's caught. Like I'm really, I like, I guess like it's okay to acknowledge that like, yep. Satan and evil is having an impact on you perhaps in some way. Um, but by golly, let us not just like use that as like the rubber stamp excuse for me to behave sinfully to um to not deal with my stuff to not deal with my stuff, yeah, um you know, and so I, that's a you know, I don't know <laughs> I feel like it, i don't i you know I just kind of feel like that's a thing that happens sometimes, and I don't think that that's healthy i think we need to kind of own what's ours you know and 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 if there is like some sort of demonic thing going on let's not just like freak out and throw our hands up um i will share a piece of my story in that kind of intersects with this topic because it may be helpful for some people i at one point was experiencing this was many many years ago but i was experiencing consistent like to call them nightmares is not correct. They're not, they weren't night terrors necessarily, but I was having dreams that were immensely upsetting on like a, not nightly, but like multiple times a week basis. It was like my first uh, semester at Bible college. I was really trying to pursue the Lord in several areas. And I was having very upsetting dreams and were really impacting me like significantly. I was upset each day when I woke up. I was, it was, I didn't really know what to do about it. Um, and so I, over the course of that semester, I was spending intentional, I was fasting my lunches. And I was during that time, I was uh, spending time in prayer, reading the word, and singing some worship songs. Mm-hmm. And so I eventually, once this became like, happened enough to the point where I was like, I was like, I, this is weird. Like, this isn't just me having like a couple bad dreams one week. This was like, it started to happen for at months. It was a month long thing. I, you know, spent some significant concerted prayer towards it. I, I think I involved at least one other person to be in prayer about it. Um, and then had a experience where I felt like that was, I, I woke up from a disturbing dream and had to kind of have a uh, prayer with Jesus and very much felt 
whatever it was that was affecting that, affecting my sleep, leave. And never since have I had one of those dreams. Um, and so that was my experience. I've never shared that like majorly publicly because it's a, uh, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't think it's super helpful to fixate on that, on those types of things. But simply to say, like, I devoted myself to prayer and fasting and it went away. Yeah. And I called out in the name of Christ. And it wasn't, you know, like, like it doesn't have to be this like Hollywood thing. It, it, it's doesn't, it doesn't have to be that. And, you know, and it was sometimes, and I still have bad dreams, but this was different, mm-hmm. you know, and it felt really, you know, over a season, it really felt very tested and was affecting my spiritual life in a significant way. So I don't know. Hopefully that's a helpful story mm-hmm. to share to some degree. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Is that it? Are we yeah. done? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is that I, if you have questions about demonic possession, um, yeah, I mean, write demons. them in the comments or send them to us on our text line. Yeah. Uh, seven, one, six, two, zero, one, zero, five, zero, seven. Oh my gosh. I still oh, got it. You've got it. Um, we won't promise to have the answers cause no, like I said, we, you know, we'll only have answers as it pertains to what we see in scripture. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember pretend to know anything else other than that. Um, the, the solution seems to seek seems to be to seek Jesus always. So, yes, even the demons know his name. Yeah, and they shudder. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Yeah. Lord, build our faith in that. Okay. Thanks for listening. It's good to be back, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah.